What's happening with it? This is Slink Johnson, a.k.a. Black Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And you're listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network. How you love that? You are listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network. Featuring Pod of Thrones and The Shiznit. Red Rock Podcast Network. From Red Rock Studios in Los Angeles, California, this is the Shiznit. And your host, Damon Standifer, Charlie Bell, and Dean O'Red. Now, put your hands together for the Shiznit. Well, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Shiznit Show. We realize that you have a choice in your podcast listening, and we appreciate you listening to us. A good day, Charlie Bell. Good day. Good dizzy. It's just you and I. You and I. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there is no Wheezy today. Wheezy is out. Um, he had a family emergency, so um, our... Our thoughts and our—I was going to say our prayers, but who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> our thoughts and our more thoughts are go out to uh, to our Weez. sacred prayerful it, thoughts <laughs> yeah, to Weezy and his family, and uh, hope all is well, and uh, hopefully he, he should be back next week. Um, but uh, with that said, it's just us, but we can hold just it down. The two of us. That's right. <laughs> We can make it if we try. If we try. <laughs> Shoot. We, we can do it. We've done it before. We, we done can, did this. We, we got, got this. We got that. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> we the show anyway. Really. <laughs> I mean, everybody listen. Everybody is either my fan or your fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, Weezy got some fans, Weezy too. Fans. He does. He's got some fans. You know, especially, especially when he's doing the Cos. I was going to say. The that Cos business is a yeah. big hit. His, don't don't tell him we, that we said that, though, yeah. y'all, because... We don't want him overdoing it. His be, his be sweatered rapist <laughs> is very popular, right? Jello pudding pop sweatered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, what's been up with you, baby girl, since last time? I've had a nice little uh, California fun loving LA week. Oh, cool. Let's hear about it. Well, I got. Um, Invited to the Straight Outta Compton premiere. Oh, you going to the premiere, huh? I uh, went. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. And what else? I tried to get us went. some. Um, I tried to get us some press passes for that. Oh shit. Okay. Well, next yeah. time, let me know because I could have probably made a call. I'm not saying I could have hooked it up, but we got to work <laughs> together. Okay. <laughs> 
and then I saw my first Sparks game ever. I can't believe that. Okay. And it was actually really cool. And um, they were playing against Seattle, so I got to see Sue Bird, the legendary female baller Sue Bird, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. balled out. That was great. And later I'm going to a, uh, a rooftop party, so it's a nice little sun, uh, sunny Southern California summer weekend. Okay. A rooftop party later on tonight? Today, today, daytime, Ooh, daytime party, some sunshine on my face. Ooh, man, you didn't. I, what about my little to, tan? Did you notice my tan? No, you still look the same level of brown as usual to me. <sighs> you light skinned people, look at you. <laughs> what? All tan people look alike. Like, come on, can I get some props on my tan? Tan, li- tan lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. No, you still look like the same old paper bag you always look like. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't I'm a tell. Paper bag you, with a t- you don't you see don't, this bronze glow? Look carefully. It looks the same as always. Oh it doesn't look any. You don't look any darker to me at all. Hmm. Not in hmm. the least. You sure you have a tan? Who told you you had a tan? I'll show you my tan lines later. I mean, oh, okay. not like that. Okay. Wait. Yeah, like that. No, no, no. That's how rumors get started. <laughs> the kids are excited. Mm-hmm. They're going to see Charlie Bell's tan lines. Hey, now. One kid. One kid. <laughs> One middle-aged kid. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. Well, well for me, um, for the most part, it's been good. I did have this. There's one bad thing that happened to me. Oh no! Yeah. What is it? It's kind of um, it's crazy. I lost a friend. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, not not uh, she didn't die. Oh, but she just decided she didn't want to be my friend anymore. Oh, and sucks. I guess something happened. I don't know what though. Yeah. You know, and I like sent her. I noticed that her and her husband both unfriended me Ooh. on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And I sent a text saying, "What? What did I do? What happened?" Mm-hmm. And nothing. Then I was like, "Like, I'm sorry if I offended you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what I did though, but yeah. I didn't mean to offend you. We've been friends like 20 years, right? You know, and I would think that I would get a phone call before I would get cut off, especially what? since we've never had any kind of beef, right? We've yeah. never had any real beef before. I mean, we've had you know 20 years. You of have course. a little." Little, yeah, yeah, little dif- differences. Yeah, little things here and there, but nothing major. No blowouts. No, never cursed any of each other out or had any kind of disrespectful encounters or anything like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> just went to dinner with her and her husband. Met him for the first time, and mm. and uh, that seemed to go well. I mean, it, it wasn't a magical evening, but it didn't right. seem like anything that would end up break you know break up a friendship. A Twenty year friendship. Right. And, you know, I had a couple of uh, small encounters with them afterwards. Right. And uh, then um, next thing I was gone. And, um, yeah, and it's like it's killing me because I don't know what happened. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That's, uh, that same thing recently happened to me with a long, long-term friend. Yeah. And just off the blue, she just cut me out. And you never found out why? You no, know, and I emailed her. And, you know, <laughs> and that. she basically. That's some coward-ass bullshit, people. Yeah, it is. Don't co- fucking do that. If you've been friends with somebody that long, you owe it to them. You fucking owe it to them. Somebody's been riding with you for that long. You owe it to them to tell them why you're cutting them off. I mean, and what kind of fucking person does that? Well, this is what I think. So, um, I think 
when that happens, it's not about you. Like even though it's painful because you lose, you're losing your friend, right. and you do feel like you are deserve at least an explanation, right? At least right. an opportunity to fix it. You you feel that way, or at least but, like so you won't do it to somebody right, else exactly. or something. An, an or opportunity to learn from the situation, something. fix the situation, or just own it anything. or at least like to find right. out what it is and then you can be like well okay that right. whatever that well, I, can, I can do something about that or i can't r- exactly right. exactly but you just out of the equation just right nope. but again i think the bottom line with with those situations is it's about them and what they're going through and so even though we miss them and we don't want to lose our friends we can't take it personally because i know for a fact that this woman she is she's going through it right now and I think it's a lot of times it's easier to cut out a friend. I don't give a fuck. I don't give oh, a fuck. I don't, I, don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch. Well, and maybe maybe that's why she's like, well, I don't give a fuck about you. Defriend. Delete. 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 No, this is a reaction. This never happened no, before. I know, so but, it's like. You know, but maybe she, maybe that's, I don't know. I can't fucking say. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. We got to move on. Yeah, we got to move on. But, um, hmm. Yeah, that happened. Aww. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, um. Well, maybe uh, your friend and my friend are somewhere smoking off the same pipe. <laughs> bitches deserve each other. <laughs> so, uh. Well, also, never underestimate the pettiness of a new spouse, too. I bet that's had something to do with it. I don't. I bet. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because, one, he friended me after the meeting. You know, so if that was the case, then why would he friend me just only to unfriend me a couple of days later? Maybe what he saw when he friended that, you was what made him take a stand against you. That could be the case. I mean, whatever. It's all speculation at this it, point. It is. So, so um, but anyway. So, yeah, so this Friday, um, my wife and I, we uh, took separate separate evenings off, you know, did nice. different things. Yeah, she, she went to... Uh, karaoke and i'm not <laughs> i'm not into that so she went and she's trying to practice for the voice and all that stuff whatever what i didn't know your wife could sing i mean she you know she's she's yeah she's pretty she good sings. um so she went to, oh, to i can't wait for her appearance on the voice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so while she i was uh i had time you know to like i'm like okay hey i got some time i'm not because you know she's like you want to come i'm like no nah, i'm good i'm glad i didn't go either because she was up in that bitch five hours too Ooh. yeah she went to some new place and they waited and they they uh it was supposed to happen at a certain time but the game was on and so they bumped it for oh. the preseason game that oh. <laughs> i'm like wow they bumped it for preseason game right? <laughs> i'm like oh the karaoke got no cloud in that joint yeah they're like <laughs> karaoke is postponed for the you the, the players are trying on their new uniforms right right the fitting co- uniform fitting is now being televised at the oh karaoke bar so yeah i'm like wow you got bumped for preseason game wow so i, I finally found somebody because everybody was busy or or stood me up or different things or whatever. I finally, mm-hmm. finally kick, uh, found somebody to kick with my homegirl, Gail, mm-hmm. who is, uh, Danya's, uh, godmother, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if Gail is Danya's godmother and Weasel is Danya's godfather, mm-hmm. are they god, husband, and wife? <laughs> I don't know. Have they God consummated their relationship? No, they no. They have not done. They have no. They have not. I don't even know what God consummated is, but they haven't. Well, then I would have to say God. No, they're okay. not. <laughs> oh, 
okay. Well, anyway, so yeah, I was kicking out. I was kicking it with her, and we end up going to this place. You've probably heard of it. It's it's a new black place uh, over in our area, in the Crenshaw area. It's called Post and Bean. Oh yeah, I've been there many times. Oh, many times. Yeah. Well, I had never been. My brother has been telling me about it, but I hadn't gotten uh, had a chance to go. Yeah. And they've been written up in Essence and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Let me ask you this, because mm-hmm. this is what struck me as odd. I don't know if it was just the shift I was in or whatever. It, it was really odd to me that there was like no black people who worked there. Mm. There was like, I mean, they do, yeah, you know, and and, and it's, the, it's one of those new trendy kind of places where you can see all the way through to the kitchen, right? So you can see everybody who's at work, right? You know, and we sat at the bar because it was so crowded. They was talking about it was a forty five minute wait for a table. We're like, right. uh, I'll take those two seats right over there at the right. bar, and it was like, oh, okay. And I just like notice, like I don't really even like usually notice that kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, it was like you know, black owned, and I'm looking around at all the you know the little bougie people, <laughs> you know, out there having a good time, you know, yeah. eating their little bougie meals and whatnot. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where are all the? And finally spotted like one. <laughs> <laughs> Like what? Like what's really going on? I thought that was extremely odd, especially since it's in a black neighborhood right. and it's black owned. I feel like I feel like that can't be a coincidence. I feel mm. like that 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 has to be that has to be by design. I don't see mm. how in this neighborhood you can have a that predominantly many non-black. Yes, staff. yes. Yeah. I just don't see how that could just happen. Yeah. Well, I will say that on the occasions that I've been, they do have a very diverse staff. There has I have seen different balances over time of, you know, more black, less black staff. Um, so obviously the the diversity part is for sure by design. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. You they know, look like could, they diversified all the black people out of jobs. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, yeah. like something wrong with this ratio. This is the kind of ratio you expect to see at a white establishment, right. not a black establishment, black owned in a black neighborhood. All right. So I don't know. I have to before I protest and never go back. I have to go back a couple times and check it out and see what I see. Yeah. You know, different days and different shifts maybe yeah. and see well post and beam get it together hire I, some black folks i straight felt like grabbing the owner dude and be like yo bruh what's i know you light-skinned and all but w- <laughs> like what's really going on you could have talked to him light-skinned light-skinned <laughs> yeah the light skin on light skin combo right well <laughs> I th- it's a valid concern i mean we don't know what the um you know we don't know what the hiring numbers look like but for sure let's i mean look this is what communities have to do is mm-hmm. to demand you know right uh fair employment and opportunities especially when we are coming out to support you and it's a, it's been a successful restaurant they've been there it's been at least a couple years now so they're they're not a couple new, years yeah they're not a new restaurant at all they've been there a couple years and so we've been supporting them you know it's hard for a fine for a fine dining establishment to make it in the hood mm-hmm. like they've gotten community support right so let's keep that you know straight right yeah it's like yeah it's not it's not cheap yeah so like if i'm gonna be spending that kind of money in there I want to make sure that they're not excluding black folk. Right. Because that's the feeling that I got off my first impression, you know, right. which, like I said, it's only been one time, you know, and it was a Friday evening and that was the only time I've ever been there. I don't know, you know, there could have been like some kind of uh, black flu going around, 
<laughs> and all the black folks called out. Right. You know what I'm saying? That has been known to happen. <laughs> I mean, niggas could have been like protesting to go see the NWA movie. Right, I'd be like, we're going right. we gonna to all go do a sick out to go see straight out of Compton. Right, right. I don't know. So I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because I hope there's not no shadiness going on. But right. it, it does not feel... It doesn't feel uh, representative of no, the community, and I'm not liking what I saw so far. So I'm gonna be watching you, watching you posting post beam. beam. <laughs> <laughs> we got our beam on you, posting beam. <laughs> yeah. Be- beam of light, not 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 a, like a laser, not like a like a sighting. Like I don't want the homeland security like talking about we're making terroristic threats to post and beam. No, sir, that's not what it is. <laughs> and then. Um, and so then uh, I w- we hooked up with Uncle and Auntie. Hadn't seen them in a minute. Mm-hmm. And we all went to go check out the uh, Straight Outta Compton. Oh, can we talk about this movie? Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> can we kick it? <laughs> oh, yes, we can. Ooh. Go ahead. You go first. Okay. Well, first of all, um, it was a good movie. I liked it. F. Gary Gray mm-hmm. has not ever made a movie that I don't like. I, I will say it's no set at all. I mean, it's not his best movie, but it's a good movie, right? And I th- and considering what he had to to work with, right? Or considering who he had to work, with, I mean, he had like massive egos that he had to massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of moving pieces to get this movie made. Yeah, like, yeah, lots. So we yeah. could talk about that. Um, so when I was looking at it, like there was so much. Okay. There was so much to it. There were so many layers to the movie, right? And I don't know if people who weren't alive during that time, if if they and you know people who can't remember that time, if they really realized how much was being really put out there on the screen. I mean, there was th- yeah. that NWA was such a zeitgeist moment in so many ways, right? First mm-hmm. of all, the issue of police brutality that right. was obviously the big thing. You know, mm-hmm. Rodney King, the the L.A. you know uprisings that happened, nineteen ninety two. It was. You know, just the way the Black Lives Matter movement is happening right now, that was a watershed moment in, like, black America. I mean, just in America, period. In our racial progression, in our awareness of, you know, the police brutality. Whoever would have thought that the first videotape to get, you know, to capture a police beating, and here we are 20-something years later, and the shit is still happening, and videotapes are ever-present. We're just aware of it more, but the the problem is the same. So that was a zeitgeist moment. The, the way it captured that moment of, like, the way that we approached the war on drugs, you mm-hmm. know, with the batter ram and the L.A. P- police, you know, military rise. You can't stop it, baby. Yeah, the batter ram, <laughs> right? Exactly. Went through your pad. Right? <laughs> the ram. I mean, yeah, and that was one of the strongest sequences in the movie, I thought, was when they showed the, oh, that was crazy. Yeah, my and, wife didn't even know what a batter ram was. She was like, "What?" A, I'm like, "That's the batter ram. They made it illegal." She's like, "I hope so." Wow, <laughs> it should be illegal. Well, yeah, but I mean, was I mean, you know, now yeah. they have drones. But, you know, yeah. the militarization of the police and law enforcement has continued unabated. Right. You know. Oh, real quick, because um, mm-hmm. I think it was mostly a West Coast thing. So for people who are in other parts of the country that's not familiar, like my wife, with the batter ram, the batter ram was basically. Um, a tank that the LAPD yeah. had customized, you know, it was a small tank. Uh, it wasn't really actual tank, but it was like, you know, it was a tank. It was, yeah. It was basically a tank and you could bust down house walls th- that they, right. That they <laughs> had modified to use to bust down suspected crack houses or rock houses as we called them. Okay. And, uh, 
<clears throat> it would it would it would literally knock down the the wall of the house, not just a, the door. It would knock down walls, yeah. you know, and uh, killed people. Yeah, it, it hurt. It killed people. It hurt people. And they also got it wrong on on right. on occasion or two, and yeah. and and uh, fucked up some innocent people's homes. Yeah, and uh, that was the end of uh, Daryl Gates's Bataram. Right. And they even made a song about it. I'll probably Toddy uh, T. put yeah. it in in post. Yeah, yeah the Bataram. The Bataram. You can't stop it, baby. baby. The right. Bataram. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, NWA was just, they they were a zeitgeist moment. And I don't know if that show, I mean, I think the movie captured the energy of it. But I don't know if people are really aware of how much was in that movie and all the, like, layers that were in it. And then another thing was the... Um, Oh shit! I lost my train of thought. Okay, you say something. I'll come back to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a great movie for a lot of reasons. Uh, the nostalgia value of it, the mu- the music is still banging. We saw Dang. it. In, we saw it in um, XD, which is the uh, the new name for IMAX. I don't think everybody's calling it IMAX, but mm-hmm. this particular theater near us at over at the Howard Hughes Promenade. Mm-hmm. Their IMAX theaters are now called XD for some reason. Okay. But anyway, it was so dope seeing the concert footage yes. on on uh, on uh, in, in IMAX with the oh my yeah. god, it was just banging. That was just so dope. It was oh my god, and this music is so it's, it's still, still hitting. Bangs. It's still banging. I bust I I, I banged <laughs> gangster gangster all the way over here. That shit still gets you hyped. It oh, does. so that was the bad. Okay, so that was the point. Okay, so the other thing is for people who live here or from you know or from here, like we don't maybe we didn't even realize until we talk to other people from other places, how much like gangster culture has permeated and really defines LA culture as a whole. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. even the, I mean, everyone knew about the gang wars and just like Mm -hmm. even the lingo. Like I was telling somebody, my homegirl from New York, we, we were, we were talking about somebody else being a buster ass Mark. (laughs) And she was like, what, what is that? I was like, you know, a, a mark ass trick, right. you know. She's like, huh? What? And, you know, and we're talking about, you know, I wear my khakis with a cuff and a crease, you know, right. like Chucks. I mean, right. Lokes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, backyard boogies, like all this stuff that's made it into gangster. It's a part of. We just breathe it. It's just part of our everyday lifestyle, and we don't even realize it. Like I wonder. So a particular moment in the movie that made me think about that was. Um, when Suge Knight was stomping out the motherfuckers talking about this Bompton nigga. This oh, Bompton. yeah, Bompton, yeah. And yeah. I just wonder, like, do people in no. Iowa, like, did they pick up on what that... <laughs> what that means yeah. and why he said Bompton instead of Compton? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. so, okay, so since you brought that up, we'll we'll tell that that's that's game language for... Okay, see, if you're if you're a blood, um, a lot of bloods don't like to... They, they hate Crips so much that they refuse a lot of them, the really hardcore ones, <laughs> will refuse to to use a c word and replace all word all all the, the they replace the c consonant with the b right. so instead of kicking back you know being cool where it's bicking back being bull right. you know right. is where you from bompton not yeah. compton so that's right. you know and that's how you represent pyru you're not right you know and that right. was like, and again like did they represent when you know when when Snoop Dogg came into the studio talking about, hey, cuz, what's up, cuz? Right, like, right. I wonder if people really realized, like, he was just shitting on them. He was disrespecting, right, disrespecting them, right. You know? Because, yeah, because, exactly, right. He was going, he was in there, you know, with his colors on and, you know, talking yeah. that, that, that Crip lingo, you know, because, uh, 
Crips say cuz and blood say dog and you know that kind of thing. And blood. So and blood exactly. But uh, yeah, man. Um, he he had uh, F. Gary Gray. That is had. Well, well, first of all, I'm happy that he got the gig because he's been riding with with Cube and them for a long time. Yep. You know, doing videos and Friday riding Friday. You know, for, from back in the day. So it was cool that he got it. And it's also cool that, you know, because this movie is getting a lot of buzz. And yeah. so it's, I'm sure it's going to get some kind of recognition. So that's good for him. Big kudos for him. But also, he had to, you know, he had, to, he had to give Dre what he wanted. He had to give Q what he wanted. He had to give Easy's widow, uh, Tamika. Tamika, what she wanted. Yep. Which, you know, she's looking out for Easy's. Legacy. And I have to say, they they Easy came off looking really good in that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so, yeah, he did. And I I I think they kind of overdid it a little bit. You think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he came out like a folk hero. Yeah, he yeah <laughs> he did. And I think that's some of that is like they felt bad, you know, about you because know, they showed it in the film. They really, right. even though they had issues, or whatever, and um, that was still their boy. They still had right. love for him, which is why they they did uh, reconnect. You know, right. and thankfully they did it before he. Well, right. they, he, thankfully they they uh, seized the opportunity before he passed. Right. You know, they didn't even know he was sick at the time. Right. And uh, had they held out, they never would have. They really would have. You know. Yeah. Regretted. You know, every everything that happened in the past. Yeah. But yeah, they they let. I think Easy. Um, well, I think the movie, the movie, and and all the execs behind it, they allowed uh, Jerry to take the full brunt of most of the, the bad guy, even him, right. they tried to portray him fairly and even handily. Like they yeah. had him, you know, st- he stick, was, he was a, he was a father figure, right? He was sticking up for the guys or whatever, right. you know, but at the same time, he was standing Exploiting in the back, them. right? Yeah, he was exploiting the fuck out of right. them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and which he's not the first person to come up with that no. in the music industry. No, 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 not a, well, you know, that's his explanation. It was like, this is business. Right. Be fucking you is just business. Right. This is, yeah. You know, no, you know, you heard your boy cube, no right. Vaseline. That's right. all I'm doing. Right, you know? right. <laughs> like, oh yeah. That was another great moment in the movie. Yeah. Wasn't that one of the best scenes is when they were sitting. That down. was one of the, my, I think that was one of everybody's it. favorite scene. <laughs> He's like, well, it was hitting pretty hard, though. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> like he got us. Yeah, when the girls were like laughing yeah. under the, it was They're like, like oh shit, because <laughs> that's was everybody's reaction. You know, yeah, that's what's so nostalgic about it for us that lived through it. We all the first time we heard it, we were like, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. So, um, the, yeah, Easy got off a little easy. I feel, um, yeah. in that because <laughs> because he, he he knew he knew what was going on, and he he wasn't uh, he wasn't the naive no that they no he was an active do. participant in that, and uh, he felt bad about it. I think you know yeah. later on, but you know it's you know hey, it happens. Yeah. But uh, and. Some of the things now, this, this is not really criticism, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It was a two and a half hour movie and you, you can't include everything, especially when you have uh, three, three legends, right. you know, and, and then some some also some uh, really talented background people. Right. You know, it's like these, these these some of these people in the background could have been stars in other groups. It's right. kind of like it was kind of like an all-star group. It totally was. You know, basically from the yeah. start, I mean because of the talent level, it was kind of like an all-star group and you know, like uh Cube says, you know, let Ren on the scene to back up the uh the B team. Right. You know, he could have he would have been the A team in any other. Ren is like so underrated. <laughs> yeah. He is so underrated. So but, underrated. Yeah. He but, is. He definitely and, is. Um, and uh, I felt like Yella got 
even like less cred. I mean, they basically yeah. just I felt really bad for him and and the movie um yeah. because uh they basically just had him standing around. They, they right. people who watch the movie who don't know his contributions are like, what was the yellow guy there for again? <laughs> like, right. you know, he, they, he brought the pussy around. Right. That's, that's what it looked like, <laughs> you know, but right. But uh, Yellow was... Um, Which he did go on to an illustrative career in porn. So. <laughs> right. He did do that, too. There's that. <laughs> but he, um, he, was a, he was a producer alongside Dre. Uh, Dre right. was the main producer, but he did uh, co-produce... Yeah. Um, tracks. Yeah, many tracks. And, and he was also a, a DJ. And he was actually the main turntablist. Uh, right. They had Dre and the movie... Being on the turntables. turntables, but really in real life, that was, was Yella's job. Yeah. yeah, and Dre would run the studio, and then when yeah. they were on stage, Dre would be on stage with with rapping the other with guys Easy. rapping, right? And cute, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> and Ren was the uh, the like the main writer, him and Ice Cube. Yeah, Cube, Cube and Ren wrote mostly everybody's uh, lyrics. Yeah, and I, uh, I do have to say, I took points off for the Jerry Curl wigs. <laughs> 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 You know how much those wigs cost too? A lot, yeah. They were like, um, I think, I think, um, I think Cube Junior said, <laughs> I think he said his Jerry Curl wig was like, it was several thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't want to misquote it, but it was several yeah. thousand dollars. Well, so. um, so my friend who worked on the, I actually have several friends who worked on the movie. So shout out to them, congrats, including the cinematographer Matt Lee Batik. He's Extremely talented. And Prentice worked on it too, right? Prentice, Shout yes. out to Prentice. Prentice Sinclair Smith. Um, yeah, he worked on it. And actually, I remember Prentice telling me one day he had to transport the wig. And he's like, I got this wig in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Was it leaving uh, Jerry Q's juice stains all yeah. over the you know, upholstery, bro? <laughs> I, no, I think they dry transported it. And then, <laughs> and then they juiced it up when it got it on location. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. So, yeah. So, uh, points off for the... Uh, I know it was expensive, but I didn't. It didn't represent the full juice of the of the curl movement. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems. It, I haven't seen. Have you seen a good Jerry curl wig? I think they're really hard to 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 do for some reason. Unless no. what and when Eric LaSalle did Coming to America, that was his real hair, right? Because if that wasn't, that was a great fucking Jerry curl. The one Eric yeah. looks Eric LaSalle had in Coming to America. Yeah. If that wasn't real, wherever when anybody who needs a Jericho Willie, the they should be right. They Jericho should go Wicks. and get yeah. Because that <laughs> shit looked the bomb. Yeah. That looked real. Yeah, it did. It I I I'm really, really, really curious to know if that was a real yeah. wig or not. I feel like why wouldn't they just get him a human hair wig and then put a real Jerry curl on it? That seems like that would have made more sense. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Can you do that? Yeah. I don't know if you can do that. Yeah, you can process human hair weaves. Hmm. But anyway, hmm. but um, last thing I gotta say, mm, young hmm. young O'Shea could get it. Oh my oh, god! Hey O'Shea! <laughs> oh boy! Anyway, yeah, that was the last thing you need to say. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out, please do go and check it out. It was good stuff. Um, it was really good stuff. So with that, uh, we are going to head into our break. And uh, we'll get back with our topics in a minute. Hello. I started this gangster shit. 
this the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. I started this gangster shit. And this the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. The motherfucking world is a ghetto. Full of magazines, full clips, and heavy metal when the smoke settles. I'm just looking for a big yellow. In six inch stilettos, Dr. Dre. Hello. Percolating, keeping waiting while you sitting there hating. Your bitch is hyperventilating, hoping that we penetrating. You get snating, cause I never been to Satan. For hardcore administrating, gangbang affiliating. MC Renner had you wildin' off a zone and a whole half a gallon. Get the dialing, 911 emergency. And you can tell him, it's my son, he's hurting me. And he's a felon on parole for robbery. Ain't no cop in the plea, ain't no stopping the G. I'm in the six, you got to hop in the three. Company monopoly, you handle shit sloppily. I drop a key properly. They call me the Don Dada, pop a collar, drop a dollar. If you hear me, you can holler, even rock wallers. Follow the Impala, wanna talk about this concrete nigga? I'm a scholar, the incredible, heterosexual, credible. Bag a hole, let it go, dick ain't edible. Nigga ain't federal, I plan shit while you handpick. Motherfuckers giving up transcripts. This gangsta shit, and this the motherfucking thanks I get. Villain blows up your spot. Take your notebook, your bitch, and your clock. This motherfucker thought the coochie had a padlock. You slap the ass, that's alarming. Cause she want my worm like Carmen. We chin check niggas, them thin check niggas. What trains on gold diggers? Beware these four niggas. Scare motherfuckers like Stephen King flicks. Making niggas clear the room like a dyke fleeing dick. Making second to none shit, nigga like quick. So when I bomb first, nigga, who you rolling with? Fuck that ice on your wrist, fuck your fine ass bitch. Cause you can lose it in a tussle, nigga. Watch me hustle. Watch niggas kiss my ass without flexing a muscle. Bitches all in the back, they knees waiting to buckle. Same time, same channel, don't change the dial. Niggas for life, fucking your wife, these niggas wild. Hello. I started this gangsta shit. And it's the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. I started this gangsta shit. And it's the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. Did I fall off? Got you in your room, ripping every chronic poster on your wall off. It's cause I put away the sawed off. Now I got you sitting back with a smirk, listening with your arms crossed. Questioning Dre's credibility. What? Wondering if it's still in me to produce hits. Y'all be killing me as if I need to make more. I got a mansion and six cars that I paid for. Suck my dick. Hello. We came a long way from not giving a fuck. Selling tapes out of a trunk to moving this far up. Now we got the whole world starstruck. Made a million plus and still don't give a motherfuck. Motherfucker, I'm Dre. I don't need your respect. I don't need to make another album, bitch. I don't gotta do shit. I do it because I want to, not to stay in the game. Fuck the fame. I'm still staying the same, little bitch. I started this gangsta shit. And this the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. I started this gangsta shit. And this the motherfucking thanks I get. Hello. Look at these niggas with attitudes. Look at these niggas with attitudes. This is Be Honest of the No Nonsense Show, and when I'm in Cali, I kick it with the homies Dino Red, Charlie Bell, and Weasel of the Shiznit Show. Yo, Dino, us light-skinned niggas on the way back, man. Hashtag Barack Obama said nigga. Hashtag Team Lightskin. Hashtag Lightskin Matters. Dino Red and the Shiznit Show.
All right, we're back. Time to get into these topics. News and noteworthy. The shiznit. All right, so in other movie news, uh, my man Michael B. Jordan is Creed. Uh, we reported to you a while back that uh, they were making not not uh it's not a Rocky sequel, but it does take place in the Rocky universe. Mm-hmm. So Apollo Creed's son is now a boxer, has grown up and is now a boxer, and that is Michael B. Jordan in Creed. Which ironically, he doesn't have his father's last name in the movie for some reason. His name is uh. Let's see, not Apollo. It's like Adonis. Adonis Johnson. And I'm like, okay, you gave him a Greek name like his daddy, but you didn't give him... I'm I'm just wondering why, because he's not illegitimate, because from what I understand, Felicia Rashad's character is supposed to... She plays his mother, and uh, she's also um, Apollo Creed's widow. So he's not illegitimate. You know, mm-hmm. she was like... Supposedly she was pregnant at the time, of Apollo's death and then she had Michael B. Jordan and Michael B. Jordan uh, grows up never knowing his father. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm thinking what might've happened. It might've been one of those things where he's the kid of a famous father um, going into the same industry as the father and wants to make it on his own and doesn't want to use his, doesn't want to make it off the, 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 uh, his father's legacy. Right. You know, he wants to, uh, doesn't want to write on his coattails. He wants to make it on his own. So he uses his mother's maiden name or something like, like that. Like Emilio Estevez versus Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or except, Martin Sheen. <laughs> except he goes around telling everybody that he's Martin well, Sheen's yeah. son. So <laughs> it kind of defeats the purpose, but. <laughs> well. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm thinking that's the only thing I can think of is why that would happen. But some people, some of the uh, hardcore, like nerdy people who, you know, obsess over every detail are a little upset because the timing doesn't quite fit Michael B. Jordan in reality. Uh, if if he was, you know, if Paulo Creed had a son, he'd be like in his mid-30s or something by now. Right. So he'd be too old. But you know what? We're talking about the make-believe son of a make-believe person. Right. So I think we should be able to make-believe that he's the right age. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you talking about? But Megyn Kelly said Santa Claus was white. So we have to be very strict about these make-believe characteristics. But that's coming to a theater near you November 25th. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm pretty hyped about it. I love Michael B. Jordan. I've been following him since he was on The Wire. He's fine. I cannot believe dude is 28 years old already. He's fine. Oh, my God. Would you? He needs some. Can somebody please, somebody, can somebody please, uh, you know, hook up with Charlie Bell and, and, and Look, I don't you know, have dick to her be, down real quick? I don't have to be horny and desperate <laughs> to appreciate male pulchritude. <laughs> He's fine, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. is fine as well. And that's, it's okay. Okay, Miss Cougar. <laughs> Charlie Cougar. Ever. Charlie Cougar. Ever. I'm just, I'm just appreciating. I'm just an appreciator and not a hater like you. I'm not hating. I'm just. He's a hater. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, is that the wheeze coming in here? What? I thought I heard the weasel. I thought I heard the weasel open the door and was coming. That's that's probably your bracelet. It did sound like an interloper. Yeah, it did. It did. I'm hearing things. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't believe that he's 28, though, because we've been watching him since he was Lil Wallace on The Wire. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I've been following him. Well, see, you don't really watch TV, so you probably saw him in The Wire and maybe one of his or a couple of his movie roles, whatever. But yeah. I've been watching him on. I've been watching him grow up because I've been watching him on The Wire. I've been watching him on Friday Night Lights. I watched him on Parenthood. Oh, yeah, I, I watch. I mean, I watch him on all that stuff, and he's 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 good. He's got range. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he he should be. I'm I'm ready for him to do uh, this movie and to like blow up because the right. guy's got mad talent and he's been pay- he's been putting in work for a minute. So I'm expecting you know uh, the Fantastic Four. However, he was in that too. Mm, you know, but that wasn't his fault. His fault. I heard you that know? movie just sucked in general. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest, especially for you know a superhero movie. It was better than the other Fantastic Four movies, but that's not saying a lot. Yeah. You know, it was still pretty weak, especially when you compare it to other Marvel movies. Right. So, Well, I would have rather seen Michael B. Jordan as the new Bond than David Oyelowo. I, I, I don't see it for him. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a whole lot, and from what I have seen of him, I don't want to say he's overrated. I just want to say, like, I'm not feeling him that much yet. Yet. Definitely not as Bond. Seen. He doesn't have Bond's sex appeal and suaveness at all but i don't understand why that well i guess he's a little old who um um idris i'm like why would you go with a, a black bond and he's not, not any older than daniel idris. uh craig i mean uh not daniel craig yeah was, daniel craig yeah the last, last yeah he's but not any older I, well than i him? think that's the problem though i think because i don't mind them switching up bonds or whatever because it's a legacy and that's right. how they do it or whatever in the franchise but I like to get more than like two movies out of a bomb before there's another new one. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like, you know, if they went with a little bit of a younger dude, they I don't know that that's the reason that they're switching out so 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 frequently in the last few years. But I I don't like it. It's yeah. too frequent. It just it kind of fucks with the continuity and stuff. I don't like yeah. it. I like it better when, you know, you had one bond doing like five, six movies and then there was a new bond, yeah. you know. So well, I like I like that better. Got to make that money. I'm sure they're doing test marketing to see you know who people want to see, and they're trying to capture the hottest. Yeah. I just dude. hope they pick a really good dude. Well, they didn't. They what? picked David Oyelowo. <laughs> that sucks. I hope because then it's like because the, it's that yeah, thing wh- where it's like okay he sucked and and he happens to be black and it's right. like oh well n- well a black bond doesn't work no right. that black bond didn't work right exactly you know? they're gonna use that as an excuse not so. to have any more black just like what if Clarence Thomas would have been the first black Supreme Court justice we would never want to put anybody <laughs> black in the Supreme Court then 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 uh, Bill Cosby would be the second. Right, <laughs> Clarence Thomas exactly. has been the first, and Bill Cosby exactly. would have been the second. Exactly. <laughs> no, but luckily we had Thurgood Marshall as the first Black Supreme Court justice. Yeah, the first one's got to be, you know, stellar, right? And you know, and uh, I think Barack represented for the first Black president, That's right? What I'm saying, you know, even Who's though you know you, you're right. always going to have people who hate other on than the, the rednecks so. and the Tea Partiers. <laughs> Pretty much nobody's going to be afraid of having a black president again. No, even the Republicans who won't admit it. Oh, yeah. So they, they won't they won't say it out loud, but they know. Yeah. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, when, I wonder when that uh, when that bond's supposed to come out. Nah, who cares? I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> so Game of Thrones, uh, they cast uh, Ian McShane in season six mystery role. Ian McShane, Ian McShane 
is a great actor. Are you familiar with him? Mm-mm. Yeah, he doesn't do uh, much movies. Um, I think he does like you know he does a lot of American TV and I think British television. Mm. Um, the first time I really got to know really or fell in love with him kind of was like when he was doing Deadwood. Oh yeah, I love Deadwood. Yeah, so then you do know him. What then. role was he? He was the the, the main uh, bad guy. Oh, yeah, okay. the guy who like kind of owned the town and okay. all that stuff. Oh, but, oh yeah, 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 okay. That's Ian McShane. Okay, yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's fucking great. And uh, I heard they were gonna do. I heard something about Deadwood. Did you hear about this? Mm, I haven't heard anything about Deadwood. Deadwood is a, 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 a HBO series that didn't make it. It went like two seasons. So good. But you guys should check it out. It's a western, and it stars uh, Ian McShane and. Uh, t- uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant, yeah. Oliphant. Oliphant. From who went on to do Justified. And And it was written in iambic pentameter. (laughs) 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 No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, the the language was really hard to. It was, well, it was, it was written in milch speak, as I call (laughs) it. The same guy who um, produced and, and, uh, and wrote, uh, that big uh, cop show, uh, NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I used to. I used to think I was crazy because like Damon never knew what I was talking about when I would talk about how like NYPD Blue and different, like how all the characters spoke weird mm-hmm. in this roundabout kind of way, and mm-hmm. you know, and like nobody, and it irritated me because nobody speaks like that, you yeah. know. And then on Deadwood, they were doing the same thing, and he was like, he didn't get what I was talking about. He kept talking about, oh no, they. They kind of spoke, you know, they used the big words like that. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. And I, and then I looked it up on Internet and it's just this whole thing. And like there's all I'm like, yes, I'm not crazy. In another vanilla folder moment. Vanilla, vanilla folder. <laughs> I am not crazy. Yes, that's. I knew funny. it. There is something unique about the way that he writes, and well, he, he Weasel is so saturated in the drama theater world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that part of it's theatrical language, so it probably does sound natural to Weasel. Yeah, I guess, but no, it's still it's not even that. It's just it's this this way that he. He like he doesn't speak. He doesn't have the character speak in direct, like like basically communication and even with our shortcuts and stuff. Generally, is designed to be as efficient as possible to get right to the point. And to, yeah, this David Milch dude, or whatever. No, that's not the way. He takes the opposite approach. He tries he takes the scenic route. Yes, he <laughs> takes the scenic route and. He speaks in roundabout, you know, back in, in vague ways. And it's like, so you have to really listen and, th- and like for like the simplest things, you have to pay attention and really follow what, what's going on because you'll miss it because they're not speaking directly, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird because no one speaks like that, you know, right. well, naturally. People, people had that same complaint about The Wire. No, The Wire wasn't like that at all. I mean, to us, but a lot of people felt it was. Well, The Wire was different in that it used a lot of slang and vernacular that was like, you know, um, that was um, um, that was uh, I want to say um, 
Local. Local, right. right. That was local specific to, to specific Baltimore. to Baltimore. Right. right. And the drug game and stuff right. like that. And so if you didn't know, understand that, then that's but that's a vocabulary is right. different from the way you structure right. you but, know but I will the say communication that, is what I'm talking about. Right. But I will say that the dialogue in the wire was often multi layered and people were saying more than one thing. So there was definitely like that local vernacular, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um you know, drug game specific. Right, right. You know, there was, and, yeah, there was that. That's true. That's but, true. But they also were. A lot of times, they were saying more than what they were saying on the surface. Yeah, and they. Yeah, know? and and they also did. They also kind of did. I I can kind of see where it's a little bit similar because they would be do that vague thing because a lot of times they were trying to be cryptic. Right. Because of the you know the business that they right. were conducting. Exactly. So it had a per- and see in that in that setting it makes sense. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't have as much problem with it because. It makes sense. They were intentionally trying to be not right. in your face because they're talking about illegal business. Activities. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it made sense. But you got two cops talking to each other at a urinal. Why the fuck are you beating around a bush about what you have for dinner? It doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, why are you talking about bush and urinals at dinner? Those don't even go together. You're supposed to be talking about no dinner at the urinal. Speaking of bush, have you seen that commercial? Yeah, the one with the, the, the trimmer. Yeah. Oh my God. I was just talking to my wife about that oh, last night. I was like, I can't believe they did that. It's horrible. I was like, I can't, I just, I like, I just can't, I can't believe they did that with yeah. that commercial. Trim That's your so- bush. <laughs> yeah. the fuck? Get out of here with that bullshit. Right. I hated that commercial. I was like, well, if they're going to do it, they should have made one of them like with a really big ass bush. <laughs> like a forest. I know. <laughs> a forest. I'm like, if you got to do it, do it right. Give they're one like, of the chicks a forest. Right. And then you, people are going to be confused. Like, are they selling <laughs> pubic hair trimmers or is it, is it, chainsaws? Right. Wait, what? Right. Are those hedge clippers? Or right. <laughs> <laughs> or nah. <laughs> oh man. So have you heard about this so-called weaponized mar- marijuana? I've done more than heard about it. Yes. Uh, I didn't know I didn't use it. Oh, what do you mean you've seen it in action? I have. I've seen people <sighs> use it. Is it as bad as the the article says? Okay, so for one, it's not marijuana. That's they're it's, call- it's synthetic, right? And it's also not weaponized either. Right. Technically, they're that's what police are calling it, but right. it's not actually weaponized. Yeah, but the main thing is it's not marijuana. It's just a drug. You it, might it's as well synthetic just, marijuana. Yeah, you might as well say it's like over the counter crystal. Well, they call meth. it D two or something. Yeah, you might as well say it's over the counter crystal meth. <laughs> wow. I mean, it does depending on the dosage and mm-hmm. the person. T- that's the thing. Let Bodies- me ask you this: Do you know what? Do you know what the purpose of synthetic marijuana was? Like, why did they even bother making like well, fake marijuana? Because it was legal. Because it's still legal. They they haven't all the way outlawed it. So you could people were literally going. You could just buy the mm-hmm. stuff at the store, mm-hmm. like at a head shop. Uh-huh. You know. And how do they make it? Do they? Do they? I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. I have to look um, that up. But I know that, like at the head shop, they sell it in different um, does do- it, dosages. It, it looks like. Does it look like real weed? I didn't see them you consume it, okay. but apparently, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. But they they sell it in different dosages, right? So I think at the lower dosages, it does kind of feel just like regular weed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people start calling it marijuana or weed, but it's not. And but at the higher dosages, I mean, it can definitely you know cause hallucinations. It caused my friend. <laughs> Apparently, we, we we were in the living room, right, like, or in the kitchen area, you know, whatever, and then our friends were in the little family room using it, and then all of a sudden, we heard two, 
on the floor. And mm. we're like, what the fuck was that? And we go in, and they both fell off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fall off the couch? Yeah. <laughs> That's that. Wow. That shit. Yeah. Well, they're saying in this report that people are running around naked. Right. They have uh, superhuman strength. It's, it's, it's basically, it sounds like PCP. Right. That's or what it sounds salts. like. It they, sounds more like they're, bath salts. They're, they're uh, immune to pain while they're on it. Right. And they're just like basically temporarily losing their mind. I, I don't, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm not an expert on drugs, but right. I would imagine that th- those extreme cases, mm-hmm. those people are probably also tweakers and they've probably been up for days and days. I mean, I don't, I bet there's some kind of a combination synergistic mm. combo meal deal pack in mm-hmm, fact going mm-hmm. on it's not just this yeah, maybe. stuff maybe but who knows yeah but that's how they're reporting it as of now anyway so yeah. in any case people be on the lookout for that i think they're just uh. trying to slander weed that's what i think <laughs> trying to make trying to drag like, his name through the dirt exactly. poor mary jane can't get a break can't catch a break Mm-mm-mm. can't get a break always fucking with mary jane yeah. <laughs> haters <laughs> Oh boy, Mm-mm-mm. and uh, oh, we got a couple of feel good stories. You know, how Dino Dino Red loves his feel good stories. Oh my goodness, got a couple of feel good stories. I we already you. covered the feel good story in Straight Outta Compton. No, that wasn't a feel good story. I mean, that was a great story and all, but it wasn't a feel good story. I was joking. Um, so there's this little boy who loved to read. Right, mm-hmm. he loves to read, but he's poor. And he doesn't have any books around his house, and there's no libraries near his home. He doesn't have money for uh, bus fare to catch a bus to someplace to like a library where he can read all the books he wants or whatnot. So what he decided to do, being proactive and, and having such a voracious appetite for the written word, is that he decided to ask his postman, if he had any junk mail that he could uh, that he could have, if he had any extra junk mail that he could, you know, just break him off. And the postman was curious and was like, "Yeah, I do. Why? Well, what's up?" He was like, "Oh, I just I like to read. I need to, you know, I don't have anything to read." Aww. And yeah, and so <clears throat> you know, the little boy explained to him about why he couldn't go to a library and whatever. And the postman was like, "Wow, you know, oh, he was a little boy. really impressed with the kid." Uh, shoot, that's a good question. I don't remember because I read the story a long time ago, mm-hmm. and we just now got it to the show. Uh, but I, I would say somewhere like around eight mm-hmm. is uh eight or nine mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking from the picture and whatnot. So <clears throat> the postman was like, sure, you know, and he was you know very taken with the kid, and he um, gave him some some extra junk mail, and then. The postman went home and got on Facebook and he told people about this kid. Right. Mm -hmm. And he set up a little, you know, a little campaign for him. And so all these people started sending all these books to the post office, you know, by the boy's house, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the postman could deliver the books to him, whatever. So now the kid has like just tons and tons and tons and tons of books, like literally just hundreds and hundreds of books oh good for him so yeah yeah so you know that was cool but i take a second out to uh talk about this kid's parents because i'm sorry why do you have a kid i mean i understand being poor and not you know you don't have to have a library 
but how do you not have any books? How do you not have any books around your house at all? A lot of people don't have books. When you're barely making it, books are a luxury. I'm more angry. In, the story makes me more angry, not at the parents, but at our fucking the, – the lack of resources and investment that we put into poor kids. I mean, why the fuck are you living in a neighborhood without a library? Like, that's really the scandal of this whole thing. Like, come on. I mean, right now, I don't know if you heard, like, Sesame Street is moving to HBO. Really? Yeah, you didn't hear about this? No, I didn't. Like, Sesame Street is, you know, high-quality children's programming. Yes. There's tons of, sto- like, data and studies to show that, um, you know, Sesame Street has, you know, great impacts on children obtaining literacy and being successful in their early years of school, especially for poor and minority kids, right? It's been shown to be efficacious in helping little kids to learn, and yet – you know, it's struggling by. We we can't take public money and invest in Sesame Street. So now HBO has bought it out, and so now the the shows are going to air on pay TV, pay cable TV, six months ahead. Six months ahead. That was a boo. Yeah, I know it sounded like it. I know, day, but it was, that was a boo. <laughs> boo. Right. So so it's still going to air on Sesame Street, but six months later. So the rich kids who already oh, have all okay. the advantages, so they'll still see it. They'll see it eventually, six months after the rich kids. So that's, I mean, look, you could argue. <laughs> well, not rich kids. Well, rich compared to the kids that can't afford HBO, right? I mean, if you're a rich kid, you probably have cable TV. That's, I mean, that's a fact. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying a lot of people have right. cable TV that are not rich. Right. I, I, I know. I'm not saying that cable TV is an indicator. Right. I'm saying that, you know, but poor kids don't. The people who don't have cable TV are poor kids, and we know that. And so I think that even if in this particular case, mm-hmm. you know, HBO is going to be benevolent and benign and, you know, still allow the poor kids to see it eventually. <laughs> like, the point of the story is that we're fucking hypocrites. We talk about education. We talk about how important our kids are, but we don't fucking invest in the things that like actually help kids, including, you know, high quality, enriching education, entertainment, television, whatever have okay. you. It's we're it's full of shit. And so now we basically we're putting, you know, this this valuable resource in the right. hands of our corporate overlords. Yeah. Once again. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't I don't I have a problem with anything you just said. I with all that I agree with all that except I still I still have beef with the parents because I'm not buying it. I don't not buying it. I mean, books, you can find I fucking, you know, I have right now. I probably have 5 books that I probably find a book a year. Right. Just like just being places and I just see somebody just left a book there and yeah. I'll just on the bus or the train or a doctor's office or something. Right. And I, I pick it up. Right. I pick it up and take it like, right. Oh, a book, a book. And I'm like, right. <laughs> and bring it home. And sometimes I read it. Sometimes I don't, you know, right. it depends on if I find it interesting or not, but it's a book and I'm not leaving it there. So I, I swoop it up. Right. And I have, I found one not too long ago. And, uh, the last one I found, I think was sitting on the, um, on the rim of a, you know how the, uh, they have the trash cans and, right. uh, it have the kind of like the they have the the narrow opening is where the garbage goes, but they have yeah. all that flat surface uh-huh. around it. Yeah, right. it was just sitting there, right? And I just I was like, it looks like a book. Somebody I picked was it up, clearly throwing it away, and I I flipped through it. It felt like you know what I felt like. 
they didn't want it, but they didn't want to put it in the trash. Right. So they said, I'll put it here. Just in case. Right. In case somebody it. wants it. And then long come Dino. And mm. it's like, sure enough, I took it. Yeah. So, I mean, to not have any books, I feel like that's less about being poor and more about being ignorant and not valuing, you know, right. uh, books and the written word right. and literacy and all that. Because, like I said, you can find right. you could find a couple of books. Uh, here and there, and right. still have some kind of books in your house. Just like no books at all is just right. ridiculous. Right? And that's true. We don't know about the circumstances of the parents. They could be extremely poor and suffering. They could be sick and disabled. They could just be trifling or drug addicts or illiterate. We don't yeah. know. They could be any of those things. But the fact remains there's always going to be trifling individuals in our society. There's always going to be poor individuals in our society. If we really want to help people overcome those circumstances, we put the resources near them where they can get to them. So if you have trifling-ass parents that don't buy you books. And if you don't have resources near you, take the initiative. Take it upon yourself. You know, I mean. But he's eight. There he are did. People, no, not him. Yeah. I mean, his parents. I yeah. Give him all the props in the world. He right. did what his parents wouldn't do. Right. What they should have done. That was right. his parents' job to find some books for him. But he did it on his own. Right. So, yeah, props to the little boy. But, no, you get, though, parents get a big, fat boo. Boo! <laughs> You're wrong for that, parents. You're just wrong. Your, right. your kids shouldn't have to go read junk mail. I'm sorry. You just you just should. So, anyway. Aww. Dino's responding as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> his parental rage just kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, here's another uh, another Good Samaritan story. So these a uh, couple of firemen were just getting off a shift, and uh, they went to this local diner to have a bite to eat, have some breakfast, and they were talking about their rough day, you know, and all you know, kind of all that they had gone through and whatnot. And a waitress overheard mm-hmm. their conversation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, not just a waitress, her, their waitress, right? So. Um, when the time for the bill to come, it came with just a little note saying that, Hey, thank you guys for all that you do. You guys are the bomb. You guys are heroes and we appreciate it. You know, even though you might not feel like you're appreciated and thanks for Mm -hmm. going all the places that everybody else run away from Mm -hmm. and this and that. And you know, Mm -hmm. breakfast is on me today. Mm -hmm. So the waitress uh, bought their breakfast, whatever. And they were obviously, you know, moved and everything. And they, they, you know, they said they got choked up when they were reading the the, the note and they went and thanked her and hugged her and everything and and gave a big, you know? So anyway, um, these guys, they go on social media and they share the story with about what happened and they um gave the 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 restaurant a plug and 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 her name a plug and said you know if you guys go there make sure you you know if you get her give her a big fat tip you know and uh and and so the story didn't stop there um somehow they don't really say how in the story but somehow they find out that the waitress's father is a paraplegic. Because she posted the Kickstarter on Facebook. She did post it on Facebook, but I don't know if that's how they they uh, yeah. found out. Yeah, because when they were posting on Facebook, you know how when you link to somebody's name okay. and you can go to their page or whatever. Okay, so yeah, so they yeah so basically so, through Facebook. Well, they found out about the the campaign, and her, her, you know she was trying to raise about thirteen thousand dollars for her father um, to have a. a um, a wheelchair accessible van. Yeah. He's you know, quadriplegic. Right. And so uh, they encouraged everybody to 
to give to her campaign and help her father out and everything. And she needed what, like seventeen thousand. She ended up getting like over seventy thousand dollars. And so uh, she was like so ecstatic, so grateful. And she was saying like she wasn't like looking for anything in return. She thought the most she would get was just like a smile and a thank you. And, you know, and, and that would have been it. And she just like basically was just trying to be selfless and just appreciated these guys and was trying to do a good deed. And then bam, they turned her back, her good deed back on her and raised up to Annie. Instant karma. <laughs> like, Instant karma. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was like just super dope. I thought that was really cool. I think that Facebook planted these stories to make them look good. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> it, but that just goes to show you for all those people who be hating on Facebook all the time. There's a lot of a lot of lot of good that happens on Facebook. Aww. A lot of good. So yeah. Shoot. I give plenty of free services to my local firemen. Oh really? <laughs> now do you? Do you really? <laughs> I show my appreciation. Uh-huh. I bet you do, Charlie Bell. <laughs> all right (laughs) well with that we are about to get into uh our next segment which is ask the average guy it's been a little while Okay, Charlie Bell. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read our first uh, question? Letter. Okay. Yeah, first letter or whatever. So, housewife asks. She says, "My husband and I have two kids. I do not work, and he works full time, sometimes overtime. My problem is, I'm at home with the kids all the time. He comes home, takes a shower, eats, and goes to sleep, still leaving me to deal with our kids." Doesn't he think I need a rest? Am I wrong for being slash sounding selfish? Although I don't work, I still get tired. What can I do to fix this? I love my husband and kids, but sometimes I need a break. All right. Um, okay, I guess we just call her housewife. <laughs> well, housewife, um, I don't think it's being selfish. Um, you're looking out for, you know your interests and your well-being, but I don't necessarily think that that is, you know, selfish. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that uh, you don't have a point. You do have a point. Um, I would say it's kind of hard. This is, this is a tough situation. I'm in a similar situation where I'm the one who goes out and works and my wife stays at home with the, with the kid in the house. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It, it it is work you do get tired and so does the other person so that's where it gets really you know really tricky you know yeah. you got to take all that into consideration um i i am able to kind of relieve my wife for lack of a better word when when i get home you know with mm-hmm. dealing with the dealing with the baby but my job isn't the, don't get me wrong. I'm really tired when I get home, but I don't do a physical job. I sit in an office 
you know, and boss people around <laughs> and, uh, you know, move money around on the computer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not out there digging ditches or whatever. And I don't know what your husband does, but he may be doing something that's more physically taxing, mm-hmm. you know, that might make it harder. So maybe you guys can can do like a compromise where maybe two nights a week, like maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays are his day, you know, or maybe he can do three, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know, but just talk to him about it and, and explain to him that you understand and you appreciate all the hard work that he does for the family and that you understand that he's tired and, uh, but you, you need, you need his help. You need him to give a little bit more, a little bit extra, a couple, you know, however many days you come up with a week, you know, and uh, maybe on, on those days he won't come straight home eating, you know, go to bed and he'll deal with the kid and give you a little bit of time to unwind and to, do whatever and then on the other nights he can come home and you know go go straight to bed or whatever or maybe his schedule is such that some days are more taxing than others Mm -hmm. and those would be the days that he goes straight to bed and the days that are lighter for him Mm -hmm. are the days that you know he gives you a breather right I mean, bottom line is, I mean, Dino is right. Bottom line is you're going to have to discuss it. You're going to have, there has to be compromise. He, he's going to have to compromise. There's no question. I mean, you both are, you're already compromising and, um, and change is going to have to be made. I mean, a lot of this depends on what your financial situation is. Like Dino said, what his, you know, the physical impact of his job. We don't know how old your kids are, how many there are. So, I mean, that all plays into it, too. I mean, obviously, running after a two-year-old is different than, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Right. So there's so many things that are personal to your situation. There's right. no way that we could come up with a, you know, one-size-fits-all answer. Right. But the but the one thing that has to be done is it has to be discussed, and there has to be a change. And I would say the one thing that I could see that's, to me, a key to this is you say in your letter that you don't work. But if you have that attitude, of course he's going to have that attitude. You do work. You work a job that you don't have a paycheck that's coming in for. But raising kids, running a household is work. It's hard work. And so until you start to give yourself credit for that, it's going to be a lot harder to demand and command for him to see what you do as work. And so the first thing is there needs to be a change in both of your mindsets to see that what you guys are both doing is equally valuable to the home and to the family. But, you know, it's just you're playing two different roles and you're going to have to switch off sometimes. So that's just what it is. I mean, I don't again, I don't know what your financial situation is. If if some of this overtime pay could go to get you guys an occasional babysitter you know, a date night out together. I mean, that would be great. Um, or, you know, depending on the age of the kids, if you can, I don't know, take a part-time job, get you, you know, make it more right. e- equal financially. Um, there's different solutions, but it has to start with you reconceptualizing the value of the work and your contributions to the household and also you know, he needs to see that as well. And that has to be the basis for your renegotiated arrangement. Right. And, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that she doesn't think what she does is work. No, she Uh, says it. She says, although I don't work, I know she says that, but I think she said, because in our culture, we use the word work, meaning, you know, a a career or nine to five job or whatever. Right. Something that you get paid for. I don't, I don't think that just because she says she doesn't work, she doesn't, 
I think she realizes because she's talking about how tired she is. Right. So I think. But she- I'm saying the way, but the words that we use and the way that we express where we're coming from, it does change how people perceive it. So the fact that she's not using the term work to me is telling. Like, of course, she knows that whatever it is, she's exerting effort and it's tying her out. But even she isn't conceptualizing it as work. I mean, it's not a paid job, but it's definitely work. Well, okay, I I disagree with you on that, but that's not really the point. Um, Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely. You have to compromise and and uh, have to talk about it and make some changes. That's true. And, uh, you know, pretty soon it tell you this, it get easier because the kids get bigger and the bigger they get, the less, you know, work that they take. And then also sometimes they can help help out, too. So. But but it is the point, because if you say I come home from work and I'm working all day and you're not doing anything and she says, well, you're right, I'm not working. Well, well but, OK, hold on. So hold on. then that does it's it doesn't she, if she if she's not working, then he has no justification for wanting to help her. But not doing anything is not that's not the same. You're at you added something that changed everything totally. Somebody saying you're not doing anything is not the same thing as her saying that she's trying to. Can convey the fact that she doesn't work a uh, a traditional job. She doesn't leave the house to go to a job. Right, but the that's wor- what she's trying the to say. The words we use and the way we conceptualize what we do does impact this dynamic. This is why people for years have said, "Well, that's woman's work. That's a woman's job." You know, but n- without giving it the credence and the the respect that a paid job brings. And sh- I feel like she's she has that mindset, and it's not helping her case. Maybe she does. Uh, and so, what does Sugar Baby say? <laughs> Sugar Baby says, "I met an older lady a few months ago. Okay, let me come clean. A much older lady. Lady. She's fifty-two. I'm thirty-four." I'm not tripping on the age difference. I'm okay with that. What I have a problem with is she is way more established than me and she pays for everything. I do okay financially, but I'm nowhere on the level of where she's at and I can't afford to do all the things and take all the trips that she likes, but she wants me there, so she foots the bill. I'm a man though and I don't want to feel comfortable with her, and I don't feel comfortable with her paying. Should I wait until I'm financially ready before being with her anymore? Should I put a limit on what we do? How would you feel as a man in my position? Interesting you should ask, sugar baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have been in uh some similar situations. Uh Have you now? I have. Not not quite to this extreme. Um and then funny or not, one of the the Okay, I can relate to this on two levels. One, um, in my 20s, I mostly dated older, you know, I guess they would call them cougars now, but then they were just called older women, like <laughs> six, seven years older. Maybe not, because I think some, uh, the definition cougar, it varies. Some people consider it more than 10 years or 10 or more or something. So in, in, in that instance, it doesn't qualify. But around six or seven years, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at um, that age, that makes a difference in yeah, it does. career status. Right. And the reason why... I was dating those women um, is because when I was, you know, I was young, I was going through college, I was broke, I didn't have any money. And, uh, you know, young girls want to be wined and dined and, you know, taken out and they want the guys with the flashy cars. So I didn't drive, didn't have a car. Um, but the older women, they didn't care about that. They had that stuff 
themselves. They had, you know, the good jobs or careers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were financially stable and they just wanted companionship. Companionship, right. And so, <laughs> good dick. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. It, it worked out. And, but I didn't have any of, um, I didn't have any of my older girlfriends like trying to, uh, you know, why me and dime me like what you're going through. But I did <laughs> going ha- through. <laughs> I did ha- I did have a friend. Now I had a platonic friend who well her and I were platonic. She did have a crush on my buddy, but she used to she was older and she had a job. We were in school. He was in high school. I was in college. And you know, she liked doing stuff that took money like people who are uh, in their late 20s you know like to do like mm-hmm. to go out to this and that and you know drinks or whatever and and so she would treat us and we we both we both felt uncomfortable about it mm-hmm. and I had a, I finally talked to her about it and I can't remember exactly how the conversation went but I don't think I did a good job because I ended up losing her as a friend which I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just was trying like not to be a freeloader, not to take advantage of her. Mm-hmm. You know. So how did you approach it? So I, I, I talked, I talked to her about it and told her that just we didn't feel right, like her like spending money on us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, paying for everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And after that, I, I actually, that was I never saw her again. We like had that conversation, and I was like, that was it. Right. So I wasn't trying to like run her away. I don't like I said, I don't remember exactly how I said it or what the conversation was. That was the gist of it. Mm. Um, I don't know what my approach was. Right. But, you know, that my intent wasn't to run her off. You know, that that that, you know, and I've been trying to find her ever since. I've never been able to find her. Oh, so. But uh, well, look, I mean, this guy is saying, well, what should. How would you feel as a man in my position? Obviously, I'm a woman, so I don't know how I would feel as a man. However, I do recognize that uh, in our society, there's an expectation that the man is going to be the more financially successful one. I mean, that was kind of like really the diss at the heart of you know Drake dissing Meek Mill, saying like, oh, he's right on his girl coattail, his Nicki Minaj is more successful than him, and that was supposed to be emasculating. So I do get that there's that, you know, idea in society that the man is supposed to have more money than the woman, but basically at your age, at your situation, at this point in your life, it's up to you whether you want to kind of give in to that and base your manhood on that, or if you want to base your manhood on the fact that you are making this woman happy, Hopefully you're 34. You're giving it. You're giving her some good D. You're putting it down in bed. You know you're making her happy. I mean, and that could be something that um, you know it's just it's just your decision as to where you want to put your sense of manhood. I mean, obviously there's a lot of pressure for you to not feel manly because she has more money than you, and you can buy into it or not buy into it. I guess that's what I'm saying, and I can't tell you what to do. Um, obviously, if you have friends and family who are looking down on you or, or, or disrespecting you about it, then that's going to make it harder. Um, whatever you decide to do, I would say be frank with her. Have you know a clear talk. Don't just stop showing up or you know make her feel rejected. Um, it, this is your issue. It really isn't about her. So I think you need to 
make a decision as far as what you're comfortable with within you and then be clear with her about what that is. And, and that's really all I know to say. Yeah, I would say um, I think you pretty much got it when you said, you know, you said, should I put a limit on what we do? If you feel uncomfortable with, you know, how much she's uh, she's spending on you, then, yeah, I would I would do that. I would, you know, say no sometimes, you know, and uh, pick and choose, be a little bit more selective and. You know, because you need to feel comfortable. Yeah. And, but what uh, if that means, like, say it's a cruise. What if that means that now she has no one to go on the cruise with because he doesn't feel comfortable going on a cruise? Well, I mean, so are we supposed to do things that we're not comfortable with because somebody else wants that? I mean. No, no, I'm no, absolutely right. You're not. We're not supposed to. But I'm just okay. using that as an example. I do think we ha- we should, or ideally, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you would at least consider the impact of your decisions on that other person. Not that your decisions have to be based in making them comfortable. I totally, yeah, you're right. That's not the basis, but I think it's a consideration. Okay. So that means that she might have to go on a cruise by herself. Or with a girlfriend or something. I mean, you know, right. you can't can't have everything. No, I mean, you're right. If, just... if he if he doesn't feel comfortable letting her pay to do everything, then there's two options for him to pay f- for himself or for him to not go or be involved in whatever the activity is. Those are pretty much the options. So if he doesn't go, then that means then that that presents a situation where either she's going to go by herself or go with somebody else. Right. So I mean. You know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, all right. All right, sugar baby. I hope uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that reminds me so much of my mom. That was one of her. Uh, that was one of her terms of endearment. Yeah, yeah. Aww. She she used to call everybody sugar baby. Hey, sugar Aww. baby. Yeah. But she uh, wasn't taking them on no trips. No, she didn't mean it that way. <laughs> she wasn't spending money on nobody. You know? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But uh, all I can say, sugar baby, is a lot of guys would like to have your fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it, but he sounds like a good dude, and for a good dude, you know, or a good person, even a good woman. I mean, any, right. anybody uh, that's a good person is going to be concerned about not taking advantage, just like me. And yeah. like I was platonic friend. Yeah, well, I and mean, I still felt like I felt really. Like, yeah. like not cool with that. No, you're right. I mean, even me as a woman, I've been wined and dined and, you know, taken out by someone, men who were much more financially successful. And, you know, even that you start to get like, ugh, you know, how much is too much? Yeah, you certainly a consideration. Yeah. So, I mean, a good person. I mean, it's just it's the it's you don't want to feel like you're taking advantage. of people. Right. It's the uh, it's the uh, the user who's going to be like, well, it's her money. You know, I ain't making her do it. I ain't put a gun to her head. You know, you know she she got it. Like Amy Winehouse's boy so, husband. <laughs> so you know that's that's the not so good person who's yeah. going to look at it that way. But yeah. any decent person is is going to wrestle with that right, to some extent. Right. So that's just it is what it is. But uh, all right, well that uh, brings the show to a close. Um, I did have some. You know what? We got time. I'm real quick. Let's go ahead and do our uh, read. Our 
listener letters? Yeah. Uh, well, some of our reviews. You know what? I don't think I can because I don't have iTunes on this computer. Oh. After I, yeah, I don't have iTunes on this computer. And that's the thing about the the iTunes comments. Like, you can only read it in iTunes. You can't cut and paste it. You have to know. go to iTunes and read it straight straight from there. They're whack. Maybe next so, time we can do screenshot. Yeah, something. I'll have it ready for next time though, because they're getting they've they've been there for a yeah. while. And we have so since since we have to hold off on that, I guess I can use one minute to give a quick uh, rest in peace, rest in power to uh, Julian Bond, who just passed away today. Just heard about on the. Uh, who is he? Who Julian is he? Bond. He. He. Oh, the guy. Bond. Yeah, he oh. was. He's a civil rights legacy. If you like Dino, don't know who he is. Look him up. And I mean, his his obituary and you know is going to be all over everywhere today. But I mean, he's just basically a civil rights icon. He uh, was a lifelong um, activist uh, in the civil rights and the anti-Vietnam War campaigns. He uh, was chairman of the NAACP. He was also a legislator and a professor, a poet, a writer, just a renaissance man. If anybody was the template for Barack Obama's style and and presence, I think you could uh, definitely give Julian Bond a lot of credit for that. So check him out. Look him up. He was a beautiful person and a life well lived. Thank you. All right. So with that, for uh, Charlie Bell and for... Damon the Weasel Stanford. I'm Dino Red. Holla at your boy. From all of our crew to listeners like you, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Shiznit. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. Check out our website, theshiznitshow.com, or hit us up on Facebook under The Shiznit. Follow us on Twitter at The Shiznit Show. Write to us at theshiznitshow at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail and make it sexy at 424 424- Two six one four eight seven eight. This has been the Oh, here he is. You're listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network.